That transitional stage in life, moving from childhood to adulthood, is a phase like no other. Bodies change and grow, awareness similarly develops, and it's the dawn of cynicism. It's an age of potential and choices. Decisions that are made during the adolescent age can impact the eternal destiny of the individual. Ministering to those in this age group is uniquely complex. There's a lot at stake. Today on Ministry in Motion, Leah and Costin Jordash will share with you helpful insights on how you can effectively minister to adolescents. Today's topic, ministering to young people in the age of cynicism. You're watching Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Leah and Costin, thanks for joining us. What do we need to understand about adolescence? <laughs> uh, we have a lot to understand about yeah. adolescence. I think that the first place to start is that there is a, a natural growth development process. And as kids grow and develop, they go through different phases. And one of these phases that we could call adolescence or the preteen years and leading into the teen years comes packaged with something that we call cynicism and doubt. And perhaps the first thing that we ought to understand is that's perfectly natural. That's a, a part of being human, a part of growing, and a part of exploring the world and uh, attempting to identify our place in the world. Okay, it's, you're making it sound like a protective mechanism actually, where, where we're understanding things that we need to understand and concepts that are, are valuable to, to the adult. Yeah, that's absolutely right, because we're expecting young people to be able to take responsibility for themselves, to take ownership for the way they function in the world, and to develop the responsibility to have more freedom. And if we don't foster that and, and give them space to do that, then they won't be able to launch responsibly into adulthood. Yeah, yeah. So what else do we need to understand? I think perhaps uh, a part B to that is that the, the, the most common question that comes out of the mouth of someone in adolescence is a question that begins with the word why. Okay. Why questions. In fact, uh, just recently, Leah and I were at church and a family was up on the platform and they were talking about the way that they connect with each other, the way that they connect spiritually. And the teenager among them said, I ask a lot of why questions. <laughs> and then they, they share that this is actually, in discussing these why questions, it actually strengthens their bond as a family. Mm. Yeah. So how important is it to create a, a healthy environment for kids as they're, they're making this discovery, this journey? And how do we make that environment the very best for them? It's extremely important because they're going to put their trust in the people who are open to having a conversation with them. And so if, if we are not the ones who are open, they will find the people that are willing to discuss with them to address their questions, their doubts, and other things like that. So if we, if we aren't willing to make that um, atmosphere of openness uh, with us, <laughs> 
their parents, their ministry leaders, their teachers, their pastors, um, they will get that um, need filled somewhere. Yeah. And it, it, it's crucial because we can't look at asking questions and doubt as an enemy or cynicism even as an enemy because those who question and those who doubt actually are those who want to grow. And we should encourage that desire to grow and to become something new um, in, a, in a healthy, trusting environment. Mm. And, and part of that is really developing an environment in which those who are being cynical or those who are potentially doubting aren't seen as the them and then we are the us. So creating this us and them distance in which we say, well, you're here to ask all your doubtful questions and we're here to, <laughs> to give you all of our wonderful answers. But rather than creating this us and them mentality, creating a safe space uh, in which they're able to ask these questions without any judgment coming their way. How do we do that, Costa? How do we produce that safe area for them so that, they, that there is that mm -hmm. natural ability to do that? Yeah, I think one of the, uh, the, the words that we've been talking about lately is, is presence and, uh, and what, what it means to be present in someone's life who you are hoping will open up to you with these very critical life questions. Yeah, um, I, I love to work a lot with discipleship, which has a lot to do with mentoring, walking alongside people. And the question in discipleship really isn't, are you competent enough to lead me? It really is, are you present enough to know me? Mm. And I think for these young people to feel like someone is present and available and who is eager and willing to know them uh, fosters that relationship of trust and their willingness to be, f to be led by, by someone than somebody who says, I have all the knowledge that you need and I want to transfer this knowledge to you kind of on a more unequal plane. Yeah, yeah. Trust is a word that really stood out for me there. And also investment, mm -hmm. in, in investing in these kids and, and showing a, a, a genuine appreciation and love for them. Absolutely. With, without the, the, the forced feeding type approach. And they know it. Um, you know, young people are very smart. They know if you're manufacturing or faking your way through something. Yeah. They know whether you're being authentic. <laughs> yeah. And so that practicing authenticity is so important for, for people in ministry, uh, in leadership, in service, because sometimes you want to protect yourself, uh, your reputation, your image, uh, and you might get out of the habit of practicing authenticity. And young people can see right through that. Yeah. You know, w one thing that I've, I've noticed is that Sometimes the questions that the adolescents ask, they, they are threatening. They're threatening to, to what we believe, but they're the questions that society, particularly Western society, is, is asking. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy just to be dismissive of the question because they're hard questions to answer. Mm -hmm. they, they challenge so much of Christianity and what we've typically taught of Christianity. How do we stop being dismissive of those questions? <laughs> well, this is not a new thing, actually. It's not just for modern culture and contemporary society that questions, especially about our long-held religious beliefs, uh, are threatening. You, you can go right back to Jesus when he was a, a young person, 12 years old, 
coming for his first time to the temple and sitting with the religious leaders and asking questions that to them were very threatening because they were challenging their way of thinking, their their perspective on who God was. And, and they, I think they understood that this child was enlightened in a way that they didn't like to admit mm. because they're, they're knowledgeable, they're scholars, <laughs> and they don't want to be taught by a child. And I think that an openness to saying a young person has a perspective that's valuable for me to learn is another one of those perspectives that we need to have okay. um, so that we can be more open and build a trust relationship where then they're willing to allow us to guide their thinking. And as long as we're also open to have them guiding some of our thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another another uh, facet uh, to this is being comfortable with exposing them to other ideas that may not dwell within the protected bubble that they've just spent the first few years of their life in, right? That's a tough one to do. Though. It, it, it <laughs> is a tough one. And recently we were talking about Daniel uh, in, in the Old Testament. You have this narrative that involves Daniel within Babylon and how he is able to be exposed to these Babylonian philosophies and yet he is grounded in such a way as, as to allow him to stay anchored and yet at the same time understand the modern culture that he's in. Right, and to thrive and excel above and beyond his peers and cohorts, even those who were from Babylon themselves. And he was a young man. Mm -hmm. a, a faith with resilience that's just extraordinary. Yeah, you're right. But we've, we've got to go to a break. But there's one question I really want to pull from you, and we'll do it after the break. Okay. It's, it's how do we create that, that learning environment where the adolescents are eager to learn and, and absorb, but it's not being imposed upon mm -hmm. them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is ministering to young people in an age of cynicism and our guests, Leah and Costin Jordash. Now, an environment for learning. Now, it's, it's learning the big issues of life that we're talking about here. We're not just talking about some education principles. Mm -hmm. this, this is eternity. How do we, how do we create that environment, that posture for learning? Well, young people have a natural curiosity. They, they have a natural hunger for knowledge. And so if we can acknowledge that a search for knowledge is actually a positive thing, it kind of happens naturally. They begin to thrive and, and realizing that questions are okay um, is something that inspires them because then they begin to ask their questions. And if we're really listening, we can hear the questions behind the questions sometimes. They'll communicate to us about their, their view of the world, their view of God, their view of, of religion, of social issues. They'll communicate all of those things in the questions that they're asking. So I think fostering a, an environment where questions are encouraged and welcomed and then making sure that we're listening, genuinely listening, to learn what 
is important to them in their hearts, what their value system is communicating out of the questions that they're asking. And that's one of the most important things. Yeah. At, at times it's so easy to, to take those questions threateningly and this kid's throwing the faith away mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rather than uh, this, this kid's asking a legitimate question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And many times fear will drive us and we will dig in and we will become very defensive of the faith and we will become quite rigid and in our best moments we will do it because we care deeply for the person who is losing their faith. <laughs> yes. But in, in, in essence what's happening is the more we dig in, the more he or she digs in, right? Yeah. And so suddenly we find ourselves at an impasse rather than this environment that Leah just described in which we have active, genuine active listening and then validating of the questions. And he, here's where, where some might say, but if you validate the question, you may encourage them to move in that direction. And I think that one thing we have to grapple with is if you validate a question, it doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with the question or what the question implies, but you're basically looking across the table to another human being and validating that they have thoughts and those thoughts make sense. So let's talk about it. Let's unpack it together and let's learn together, which is another mm -hmm. critical element of this. In other words, rather than saying, let me teach you in this moment, say, I will share with you uh, the perspectives that I have, and I would very much be interested in you telling me where you're coming from when, when you're asking this question. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'm, I can just say this, that our youngest child is still in this age bracket, and I've found that she can be asking questions, and it may not be even her question. But some of her peers, some people that she's coming in contact with, are asking her the question. And then she's thinking, how do I answer this? And she can pose the question to others mm -hmm. and looking for solutions for how her faith has been challenged. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we're not validating that, that question, mm -hmm. it leaves her in a bind. Right. That's right. And that's not a situation that I want for my kid. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So is, is it reasonable to, to actually not have all the answers? <laughs> that's, a, that's a tremendous question in itself because I think many times we, we, um, we love to, number one, have the answers and when we're stumped for the answers, we tend to maybe even make up an answer to ensure that the doubter doesn't come to the conclusion that we may not know in this instance. And wouldn't it be refreshing to a teenager yeah. to sit across the table from a religious leader, from a church leader, from a pastor who says, you know, in this particular case, number one, it's a very complex issue. And number two, we're actually not quite certain of the answer. But let's continue to study it. Yeah. Uh, we'll study it. You, you study it yourself. How refreshing would it be yeah. uh, to, to someone, especially in those younger years, to hear the refreshing voice, we don't know. Yeah. But let's continue <laughs> to study together. Exactly. And, you know, scripturally, there are some definites. Mm -hmm. There are some things that it is perfectly clear. But there are many issues we're not exactly sure. And if we become... Yeah, rigid without the, the scriptural foundation. Mm -hmm. we're, we're putting at risk what does have the foundation mm -hmm. of the, the sure things of scripture. 
That's right, because if they find out that there are maybe more than one valid answer, they might be likely to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, exactly. To say, I, I trusted you on this, but I find that there's more than one answer, so maybe there's more than one answer to some of these other things, and um, that can be detrimental. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the scientific community uses a term that could apply in our case, and that is margin of error. In other words, you, you always leave a little wiggle room, I guess we could call it, a little margin of error, especially for these matters that are not very clear from Scripture. And to leave the margin of error and to even allow some of that pressure to, to be let out, especially with a younger person who is doubting and asking, is to, is to allow them to live with that uncertainty as you get closer to understanding it better from Scripture. Mm. Let me ask you a tough question. What would be an example of a question where you would allow some of that margin of error? Have I stumped you? Well, that's a very, very good question. <laughs> Might take a second to think about, <laughs> to think about that. Um, I think um, in working with young people, pop culture is a huge mm. influence on, on them, their thinking, their vocabulary, uh, their approach to decision making. And um, having a conversation about how pop culture influences them. Because to a large degree, many of them don't think that the music that they listen to or the television shows that they're watching or the comments they're reading on social media, they don't think that they influence them mm. as much as they do because mm. they believe that they have a solid foundation and then you know, they're compartmentalizing their lives. And I think having a conversation about that kind of thing and you know, saying, making sure they understand that the influence of these things is very serious, but then also discussing um, an openness to where they might be able to set boundaries that are flexible with, with some standards, but more broad standards, so that you're not saying this specific, this specific, this specific, but here are some criteria by which you can measure whether something is actually bringing you closer to Christ mm -hmm. or taking you further away from Christ and whether it's influencing you in a way that's uh, compatible with the biblical foundation or that's in direct conflict with the biblical foundation. Just allowing them to kind of process through that and to start defining some of their own boundaries where they realize that um, Sometimes they're movable and they can move their, their boundaries in or out as necessary. Mm. Now, Leah, we've got to go to a break. When we come back, I've got a question for you. You're Bible teacher, chaplain in a, a largish academy. Mm -hmm. what, what are the key things that you're trying to instill in these kids that you want them to take from your classes and your ministry that you want them to, to carry on and to, to pass on from generation to the next generation. Mm. What really counts for you? Okay. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is ministering to young people in an age of cynicism. And our guests, Leah and Costin Jordash. Now, Leah, you're teaching in an academy situation, Bible teaching, and a chaplain as well. Right at this age group <laughs> where these kids questioning and so forth, what are the key essential things that you're trying to impart to these kids 
so that they will take that through their lives mm -hmm. and pass it on to the next generation. Um, well, on a daily basis, I struggle to keep a grasp on what that might be because these kids, they keep me on my toes. Um, but I would say one of the main things that I try to emphasize, especially in my Bible classes, is that for every truth and pure and good thing, there is a counterfeit. And the enemy of God is really good at counterfeiting. In other words, it, it wouldn't be a good counterfeit if you could easily tell the difference. And we talk about this a lot. We talk about this idea of the counterfeit and, and just trying to keep our eyes open to the true dynamic of the great controversy between good and evil and the mastery that, that the enemy of God it has at creating deception that looks like truth. Um, and we, we spend a lot of time on that. Uh, we compare Christian songs with popular music. We, we talk about social issues and different ways to approach them, uh, looking at what Jesus has to say, and then looking at what other contemporary uh, philosophers and teachers have to say, and what those things have in common and where they might come in conflict, mm. so that we can begin to detect the counterfeit better. And the best way to be able to detect a counterfeit is to study the original, to know what the real truth, the original uh, authentic article looks like. And of course, then that means we have to focus our attention on the teachings of Jesus Christ, uh, the person of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. Obviously, if we're coming from a Christian perspective, that's the center of everything that we do. Mm. And we need to have our eyes fixed there and teach the young people to bring every other perspective back to that perspective and to compare it to see if they can detect the counterfeit. Yeah, yeah. Costin, you come from a, a, a pastoring background as well, a father with, <clears throat> with young boys emerging into this. What, what's, what's your emphasis? So uh, I think that one of the areas that, as we've already spoken about, in the past few minutes, one of our areas is really living out this promise to them that no question will ever be met with resistance by your parents. No question will ever be um, met with some sort of punishment for, for, for even having asked it. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately we, we find that this so far has worked out well. One of our, one of our sons is just now entering teenagehood and uh, he to this day will continue to come home and just as as you were sharing earlier uh, will ask questions in an environment that he feels will be safe and uh, and won't make him feel foolish yeah. for, for having asked the question or to be very blunt and, and transparent won't make him uh, sort of perceived as less spiritual for having asked the, the question mm. right mm. and so ultimately that's that's our, our emphasis and, and also really emphasizing that while there are standards and boundaries, the emphasis actually turns inward to, to a center. Let's explore that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm eager to hear about these boundaries and, and how to manage these boundaries. We're, we're down to a little over a minute, but <laughs> okay. that's as quick as we can. Um, when you think of drawing a boundary marker, human nature compels us to go towards the boundary. And so if our focus in working with our young people is to just 
focus on the boundary. Don't cross this boundary. Here's where the line is. Then their focus will be on that line and they'll be drawn to the edges where instead we could say, what is the center uh, of our focus? What is the measuring stick? What is the thing that we all have in common? And then focus on that. And it draws them in instead of pulling them out towards that boundary like marker. So I can't help but think of the image of the cross. Mm. Absolutely. The light. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the table with bread on it. Mm -hmm. Bringing, bringing and, people and together. Drawing the kids rather than is this fence really electric? Yeah. <laughs> right, because they will test it. Yeah, and how <laughs> exactly. close can I get to the electric fence exactly. in order to? <laughs> Our time's gone. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. We're delighted that you joined us on today's Ministry in Motion program, where we looked at ministering to young people in the age of cynicism with Leah and Costin Jordash. Six important points were made in this program. First of all, adolescence is a period in which teens' perspective is reframed and independence is established. Secondly, don't look at questions or cynicism as the enemy. The third point was validate sincere questions and affirm the young person who asks. Fourth, approach adolescence with honesty and transparency. And if you don't have the answers, seek them together. And the fifth point, teach young people to distinguish between truth and its deceptive counterfeit. And the final point was this, don't just focus on boundaries, but also the good things at the center. Thanks so much once again for joining us on Ministry in Motion. Until next time, may God bless you richly. Bye for now. 